Would you join me? Let's pray as we ask God to bless his word, and we'll pray for the Lowe family as well. Father God, it is according to your word, appointed unto man one time to die, and then judgment. Lord, I just thank you that I know where Ira is right now. He's with you. He loves you and had served you his life. And, and Father, we're thankful for that. But we're also grieving with our, with our family on the East Coast, Lord. We pray for the Lowe family, for Chet and Andrea and Lord Chet's mom. We just pray that you would be right now their source of strength and their encouragement. And Lord, that you would bear them up in this time of grief. And that, God, you'd, you'd be with those that are ministering to them and give them words that are in due season. Lord, apples of gold and settings of silver, touch their hearts. Lord, no one can replace Ira, but we know, Lord, that you uh, use all things uh, to bring about your good for those who love you. And as much as this is tragic and sudden, Lord, it also did not catch you by surprise. And so we know that you have a plan, something you're doing. Lord, in an eternal scheme, you're going to use this for good. And so, Lord, we pray that you would be with them as a family and as a church, Lord, that gigantic church family that is there at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. We pray that you would just wrap your arms around them and bless them. And Lord, as we open your word, Lord, we want to bring you honor. Lord, we never want to bring you shame. And so God, as we study your word and as we realize that we are all vessels, each one of us made as a unique vessel for you, for your treasure, for your glory, we pray that you'd cause us to hear your word gladly Take it into our hearts and minds. And, Lord, that we would become just a little bit more like Jesus this day. We bless you. We thank you for this time together. And we pray now that you would speak to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The context of our passage this morning, which is really verses 20 to 26, is is actually verse 15. And the context is an approved workman who rightly divides the word of truth, who, who can have said of him or her that we've taken that place upon the shelf in God's glorious kitchen. We, we've taken that place in the toolbox of God's amazing tool set. We, we have become that utensil that the Lord intended for us. You see, as I've shared with you before, God makes no mistakes. He has created each of you. He's created me. He has created us. He has fabricated us as the body of Christ into something wonderfully unique. And He's created us for a purpose. And that purpose is to bring honor to His name to bring glory to his name, to tell the world about his wonderful plan to save them. And in fact, as we're going to look on Wednesday night, God, think of this, please, for a moment. God wants to fellowship with us. If that doesn't boggle your mind, if that doesn't cause you to to have a swollen head to some degree, God loves us as his children so very much, he actually wants to spend time with us. We see that in the Garden of Eden. It was the normal practice of Adam and Eve to walk with God in the cool of the day. That was his plan. It's still his desire. And so for each of us, for you, for me... God created you to fellowship with you, to hang out with you. Now, if you have children, you know there are times when you kind of don't want to be around your kids. Amen? You get that phone call from school and it's like, are you kidding me? They did what? He said what? He did what? You see, even though we invest all that time in our children, God has invested much in you as his children. We can still choose to do wrongly with that investment, can we not? It really is up to us as to what we do with what he has done for us. 
And so our passage this morning, honor or shame? Are we going to this morning bring God honor, glory? Or is he going to, as most of us have experienced, kind of have to turn his, his head and like, oh, I can't believe they did that. I pray that's none of us this morning. And this passage is so wonderful in that it points out the problem and then provides the answer at the same time. And so, verse 20 with me now, if you would. But in a great house, the house of God, the body of Christ, beloved wherever they are on this earth, in a great house. You realize how wonderfully diverse the body of Christ is? How glorious it is that the Lord has created and fabricated His church. Because we're not all the same. And it is those differences, much like differences in marriage, that make the relationship all that much sweeter. There are things that are unique about each of us that because they're unique, they actually intensify the wonder of the whole. It's marvelous to sit back and watch the body of Christ function. There are people who have gifts that I don't have that I marvel at their gifts. So I've shared with you often, do not put me in the nursery. You know, I'm a guy. We, we think in terms of Velcro and duct tape. This is like, I would have an ordering system. You'd come in, you'd give me a little token, and I would peel your child off the wall. It's kind of... Number seven, there you go. But thank God for those tender, normally moms who just love babies and, and they find that joy. I, you know, I love children too, but not that much. <laughs> we have different gifts according to the way that the Lord has fabricated His church, this great house that is us. And He goes on to say, for there are not only vessels of gold and silver but also of wood and clay and some for honor and some for dishonor. You see, at the time, they didn't have Tupperware. Okay, There was no Tupperware when this was written. And, and there was no Caliphon pots, you know, to where you just, like one pan is like $7,000. You can beat it with a hammer and it will still be completely, you know, stick-free. But they did have gold and silver and wood and stone and clay. Lots of different vessels in a great house, in a big house, in in a very diverse house. In a large house, there were vessels of many different types. And they were all very necessary. Some of them made for honor. Some of them, as God certainly knows the intents of all of our hearts, not so much. And so he draws the distinction here. We want to be vessels of honor. We want to bring glory to the Lord. We don't want to bring shame to the Lord. And therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, in other words, those things that Paul's just written to Timothy about, the haggling, the fighting, the bitterness, the bickering, getting the junk out of our lives. Because you see, we can't bring glory and honor to the Lord when we're filled with the very things that He doesn't want us to be. One of the things that's most difficult for us is we spend so much of our time before we come to Christ developing parts of us that really shouldn't be. It's amazing how much time people invest in their sin. Amen? And I, I speak as one who knows what that can do. You, you see, we can invest in the honor or we can invest in the dishonor. We can allow the Lord to use us and bring glory to Him or we can force the Lord to put us on a shelf because He's ashamed of us. We're still in the Lord's house, we're still saved. We're still going to heaven. But we don't bring much honor to the Lord unless we 
clean ourselves up. You see, it's rather like that. You probably all have this. I don't know if you have a Tupperware. We have a Tupperware drawer. Actually, we have a Tupperware cabinet in addition to the Tupperware drawer. And in that Tupperware cabinet and that Tupperware drawer, there you have the ones that the dogs got a hold of. You, you know what I'm talking about. You, you don't need to burp them anymore to seal them. You, 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 you just kind of, the, the lids don't even fit anymore. You don't want to put the leftover steak in that one. Amen? Unless you want to just give it to the dogs, then you should probably just throw it on the floor. You see, you have those vessels that are really for honor, and they're those vessels, those things that we would put treasure into because we know they're worthy of keeping the treasure. And so it is with you and I. It doesn't really matter what you look like, and it doesn't really matter what you're made of. It matters as to whether you'll bring glory to the Lord by giving him honor, and you'll prepare yourself to do so. You see, that Tupperware is just as valuable as that china that you pull out twice a year, Thanksgiving and Christmas, maybe Easter. They, they both have value. They're different. And so he goes on. For he will be a vessel of honor, she will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful to the Master. You, you see, each of us, created to fellowship with God, has a wonderful use for the glory of the king. I'm, I'm always shocked. I'm amazed at how God just knits together the body of Christ as 1 Corinthians chapter 12 reminds us and he doesn't give us all the same gifts. He doesn't make us the same. You know, that's why when I go in that Tupperware drawer, it's like, this is crazy. This one is, you know, this one's shaped like a jello mold, and this one is square, and this one's round, and some are cylindrical and tall, and, you know, there, there are all kinds of different types of vessels in there. Each one of them is useful in its own place. But, you know, you don't want to take out that big cookie one and stick like two stalks of celery in it. Because there's enough air inside of it that the stalks of celery will look really ugly after about a day or so. You have to use the vessel that's fit for the purpose for which it was intended and made. That's each of you. That's me. That's us. Prepared, notice this, for every good work. What a beautiful picture this is. That means that the master in a great house, we'll just use us as an example the few hundred of us that gather here on Sundays and Wednesdays, that the Lord uniquely has fabricated us as the body of Christ and He's given each one of us some giftings and made us and and shaped our lives and allowed experiences to come to bear and to be used for His kingdom and His glory. And He's made each one of us unique so that when He needs that specific vessel, It's at his disposal. And there are things that I'm good for. There are things I'm not good for. There are things that you are best for. You're actually better at them than I. That's why Paul said it's better that not all of you become teachers. there's There's a certain amount of difficulty that goes with that task. But it's also best that not all of you become uh, workers in the nursery. It, it's not all of you will become uh, engaged in, in making sure the hospitality is taken care of or doing sound. If you don't have technical abilities to put you back at that soundboard, you're going to be going, what? You, you see, that brings glory to the Lord. It's a specific set of gifts that God's given. Every part of the body of Christ, brothers and sisters, can bring glory or shame to the Lord. Everywhere you go, every word you speak, everything you do, all that you are, has the capacity, as we've been looking at communication on Wednesday nights, has the capacity to be either salt or fresh, right? It can be good or it can be bad. But God's made you uniquely good to be used for His glory. And the blessing is, is that we get to join Him where He's working. 
So he goes on to give us some hints. Flee also youthful lusts. And that word that's translated lust, I would remind you, is not just sexual impurity. It's the thoughts that youthful people have. Uh, we just came back from, you know, being with the boys. Uh, you know, teenage males, um, they're not particularly in tune with their own mortality. You know, they, they will do things that normal human beings will not. Dad, can we go jump off of that cliff? Um, no, not really, not now. Not as long as I'm actually alive. There's all kinds of things that go along with being youthful that occupy our time that are not necessarily helpful and beneficial. Amen? A little more on that later. Flee, youthful less. Notice, flee. Remember the put off and the put on found there in the book of Colossians. We need to get rid of the things that shouldn't be there. We also need to put on or take in the things that should. Notice it says this again. But pursue righteousness and faith and love with those who call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. You see, ultimately, how God is able to use you is directly relational to your motivation. Because there's a lot of people, oh, they're shiny golden bowls on the outside. But they already have some stuff in them that God doesn't want. And so it really isn't talking about the external things. It's not talking about some specific external ability that you might have. It's out of a pure heart are you going to pursue the things that God wants for your life. And so he says, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach and patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition. For if God perhaps will grant to them repentance, so that they may know the truth that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. And so here at the end of this second chapter, Paul begins to talk about these vessels that were created by him. He's emphasizing our individual value to the kingdom things of God. You know, sometimes people, oh, you know, I just don't feel like I fit. I don't feel like I belong. I don't know what God's doing in my life. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Because if you look in your kitchen or if you look in your toolbox or you look in any business, you're going to find all kinds of things that don't get used every day. But I can tell you this. Try peeling a potato with a steak knife. Doesn't work very well, does it? So when you want to peel a potato, you need a potato peeler. Now, you don't use that every day, especially not in our, you know, wonderfully in tune, healthy, conscious environment that we now live in, because we're not supposed to eat starchy foods. So we, we don't peel as many potatoes as we used to. But when you want to peel a potato, you want a potato peeler. Amen? How about those jello molds that are shaped like Santa Claus? I know you have them. You know, you don't bring those out every day. And here, have some Santa Jello. There's all kinds of things that you have in your house that when you want a Santa Jello mold, you, you kind of need a Santa Jello mold. There isn't any other way to make Santa. Which also spells Satan if you move the letters around. Just kidding. You see, there are all kinds of things that you have. The, the analogy of a toolbox is another good one. You know, I don't know how, how many of you have, you know, all of the latest gadgets and tools in your toolbox. But, you know, you, you go through there. If you need a Torx wrench, you need a Torx wrench because there's no way to stick a screwdriver in that little starred nut thing. You probably all, you ladies are going, what's he talking about? Some of you know. But when you need one of those, you need one of those. There is nothing else you can use. Oh, sure, you can grab some vice grips and clamp onto the head of it and try and turn it, but it doesn't work very well. You, you see, that really is the body of Christ. We're uniquely made for very wonderful circumstances that God alone in His sovereign plan for the entire world has made you wonderfully fit 
for that purpose. Now, maybe you're not out all the time. But it doesn't mean that you don't bring glory and honor to the Lord. You, you see, it's a matter of heart. It's are you ready? Are you prepared for that time when God asks of you, this is your day? It, it's, it's Thanksgiving. You know, you, every one of us has got one of those cutting boards, you know, that you put the turkey on. You use it once a year. But if you don't have those little spiky things that come out of the bottom of that cutting board that holds the turkey, you chase the turkey. Well, the dogs will actually chase the turkey for you. Squirts off onto the floor. You see, my point is this. God knows what he's doing. And he's made you fearfully. He's made you wonderfully. He has directed your life to this point, And he has a marvelous plan to use you for his honor. The question is, are you ready? Am I ready? Are we ready? For all who cleanse themselves, the new revised standard version says, of the things that I have mentioned will become special utensils. Back to my analogy of Tupperware. Now, I know you guys never do this, but occasionally we put something in Tupperware and put it in the back of the refrigerator. And it's not quite perfectly sealed. We did not do the burp move, okay? We just crammed it. It was the end of dinner. The spaghetti goes in it, and you put it in the back of the fridge. And then on top of that goes the tortillas and three fags of bagels and whatever. It's all on top of it. And, and about 18 months later, you realize that the tortillas are moving. And they're green. And so you, you open that up and it's like, what have we here? The boys immediately go, science experiment. You ladies go, ew. We take it out and try and figure out what kind of bacteria it is that is grown in there. My point is this. It can still be used for honor, can it not? Tupperware is pretty indestructible. I mean, you clean that stuff out, wash it, put it through the dishwasher, spray it with Lysol, <laughs> pray over it, <laughs> and you put it back in the drawer. And the next time you have spaghetti and you need that spaghetti, you just back in there again. You see, every once in a while we make mistakes and we kind of forget the spaghetti's in the back of the fridge in our lives. And, you know, we open it up and it's like, ooh, that's not good. That's okay. The question is, are you willing to allow God to take the lid off and scrape the stuff out and become that special utensil again? To really allow God then to use you in the way that he intends he knows what that is. God never shelves anyone permanently. God doesn't do that. Only you can do that. God puts no one on the shelf permanently. He invented recycling, okay? God is green, very green. He's into scraping junk out and cleaning things up and recycling and putting it back on the shelf so that it's fit for the Master's use once again. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because if we're honest, that's all of us at times. All of us have held some moldy old spaghetti at times. Amen? We've all had things that need to be dealt with. The question is, will you do it? Will you allow the Lord to take those things out of your life, clean you up, and put you back in service? That's what he wants. Do not let the enemy rip you off and think, well, I did this, so I'm done. I can never be used again. I have talked to so many people whose hearts are rent. They're torn because they think they can never be used of the Lord because at one time they held some moldy spaghetti. 
Something happened. Maybe it was their fault. Maybe it was even intentional to the core. They, they lived a life of debauchery or whatever. And they're, they're wondering, well, I can never be used. Family of God, the funkiest vessel in the kitchen can be used for glory. The, the most seemingly useless vessel can be used for glory. And in fact, at times... It's the only vessel that really works. You know, very often, because I deal with kids all the time, you know, there are times when I'm just at a loss to how to minister to a specific age group of kids. I don't know what they're going through. I'm pushing towards 60. You know, they're 13, 14 years old. They're talking to me. I'm like, what? You did, huh? I didn't even know that existed. (laughs) But you get some 22, 23-year-old that maybe they stumbled in that same area of their life and God's cleaned them up and put them back on the shelf to be used again. And they're the perfect tool. They're, They're the one that's best fit to minister in that situation. They become special. A tool is perfect. They're not good for everything, but they're good for a few things, and the Lord knows exactly how to use that tool, how to use that piece of kitchenware. And so he goes on talking about cleaning cleaning up or cleansing. The Greek word uh, that he uses here to cleanse or to clean up is used only one other time, and it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It it means to clean it out, to, to clean it up, to make sure that it's absolutely the very best it can possibly be. And that sometimes is a little bit arduous. I'll go back to the kitchen. You know, when you bake that pineapple upside down cake in our ovens up here and you kind of forget the melting point of sugar and, you know, you pull the cake out and it looks wonderful after you flip it up and then you want to just throw the pan away, right? Because you have to blast to get that sugar off there. It takes some effort, doesn't it? Sometimes you've got to soak it for a while. You get out the dish detergent. You, you, you try acid, you know, whatever. You've got to get something on there. It takes effort to clean up sometimes because you've gotten real dirty. You you have to engage in what's necessary to clean up the pot, to clean up the vessel. You know, sometimes I you know we some of us in this room grew up in the day of Brillo pads. You remember those wonderful things? They were actually steel wool embedded with soap, and it said right on them, "Don't get this anywhere near porcelain." But how many of us feeling you know that's just not coming off? I'm getting out my Brillo pad, and and there's your sink forever marked that way. You see, sometimes it takes extraordinary measures to to really do the job properly. And it may not even look the same ever again, but it's clean. It's done. It's ready. It's usable again. That's the place that he's talking about. And so he begins to talk about these things that we need to clean out. How about godless chatter? Don't, Don't fill your life with the things that won't matter. Godless chatter ultimately is not helpful for the kingdom. We talk about a lot of things that are not helpful for the kingdom and don't bring honor to the Lord. The boys and I were playing some racquetball. I introduced them to racquetball. And, and I used to play racquetball. Connie and I did quite a bit. So I, I can still hit the ball pretty well. They would never hit a racquetball. It was really fun to humiliate them, actually. <laughs> It'll, it'll, there'll be payback later. But. but we're sitting there and we're playing racquetball. And we're just laughing our brains out. And, you know, we're just having a great time. And all of a sudden in the court next to us, we just hear all this cussing and vile. You know, you're just like, oh. And I sat there thinking about the difference between us who knew the Lord. And we're having a great time just laughing and being silly. And and someone who doesn't know the Lord, and they fill their life with, with the things that, man, how must grieve the heart of God to listen to that. Can I say that we, even as Christians at times, engage in things that shouldn't come out of the fresh water spring of, of a believer? 
He's saying, you know, if you really want to be useful to the Lord, watch what you say. Watch how you say it. Make sure it brings glory and honor because we want to be used in that special way. Even those of us who need to be cleaned up. So we need to be made holy. We need to be useful. We need to be prepared to do any good work. We need to be ready. You ever notice how when you clean up after after a meal and you go looking for that Tupperware because you've got the leftover whatever, and you, you, it's kind of a bummer to have to search through the whole house and then scrub something up to, to get ready. You want to be ready ahead of time. Amen? It's a whole lot easier. You can do it at the last minute, but how much stress does that bring into our lives when we're not cleaned up all the time, we just get cleaned up when we think God wants to use us. Ouch. Now, I want to encourage you. I don't want to discourage you. What I'm saying to you is, we need to let the Lord do that cleansing work all the time. We need to be ready, prepared for whenever He wants to use us. And quite frankly, cleanliness outperforms cleverness every time. Because you can take out something else and you can wrap some aluminum foil over the top of it or, you know, remember the old saran wrap commercials to where you could turn them upside down and everything. Now because, you know, to make saran wrap like that because it actually works would put somebody out of a job. So the new new saran wrap doesn't work at all. You put it on the top and it just falls off. You can be clever. You can be clever. But it's so much better to be prepared. You already have ready what's necessary to do the task at hand. That means letting the Lord work in your life. Clean you up. Put you in that place to where He can use you. He goes on here in verse 22, and as we begin to wrap this up this morning, He gives us some insights on how to use these vessels that we have. He says, flee also youthful lusts. It means to get rid of those things which are a hindrance to us being ready. How about impatience or covetousness or favoritism? or How about ego? Well, I don't want to be Tupperware. I want to be a golden goblet. I, I am not really all that happy about holding the leftover hamburgers. I, I want to be the thing that presents... The fruit salad. You you see, as the body of Christ, we can get so hung up on what other people are being used for, we can forget that we have been prepared uniquely for what God wants to do with us. I can be so worried about what somebody else is doing for the kingdom, I can forget that God's already got a perfect plan for my life in the kingdom. Family of God... Don't be like kids, because kids are never satisfied, amen? Even more so now than ever. Man, I, I, I'm sitting there talking to these kids. For those of you that have been to the camp, you've seen what we do there. I mean, we give the kids a Cadillac for the cost of a Volkswagen. It's just that simple. We do. We do so much for them, and it is free. People are stunned. We have a group there right now that's never been to the facility before. They're actually from the Church of God. They are having a, they are blown away. We get to do that too. Yeah, you get to do that too. It doesn't cost, no, it doesn't cost anything. But kids, well, you know, there's no holographics involved. <laughs> huh. Man, I can't believe it. You have no robots here. Oh, I'm sorry, we forgot to rubberize the trees so you won't get hurt. (laughs) You you see, kids aren't satisfied. And youthfulness brings dissatisfaction very often. Now the flip side of that, guided properly, they also find joy in almost anything and everything. Amen? Amen? So there is a place for that youthfulness that brings joy, and there's a place that that youthful exuberance that that can be negative could bring shame to the Lord. We need to find the balance in those things. We want to have the zeal. 
without all the negative things that come from it. It's like for those of you that have teenagers, you you know that whole you know hormonal dating thing that happens at about well I think ten now or so. Uh, you know, and, and all of a sudden it's everything's about girls or it's about boys or whatever. And pretty soon it becomes overwhelming and they can't think, they can't do homework, they don't clean the house, they do nothing anymore. They're completely overwhelmed. But you know, at some point in time you've got to decide, hey, this is not real life. You, know, you probably have not met your spouse at age 12, okay? It's pretty simple. You know, I know you've been dating for two weeks, but chances are God may have some other person for you at some point in time because you're 13. You see, at some point in time, you have to say, you know, this is just not best for me. And our job as parents at times, without hurting our kids or discouraging them or causing them to think that we think ill of them, We have to point them the right direction. And so Paul is pointing Timothy the right direction, and consequently us, we need to flee those things which are not beneficial. They're not helpful. They're they're not right for us in that moment. There will come a time when that reality of life, and we, we do begin that time in life where we're thinking about, you know, who our spouse might be, it becomes appropriate. But it's not appropriate at 12 years old. It's not beneficial at 12 years old. And so it is with the body of Christ. There are things that we need to seriously flee. There really is, as Scripture points to us in the story of Joseph and Potiphar's house, there's a time to flat out run. You've got to go the other way. Because the enemy is trying to fill your Tupperware with a bunch of trash. The enemy is trying to pack it in there so that ultimately you're going, oh man, I don't know how I got this dirty. Well, it's because you didn't do the things you could do. We need to do that. Verse 23 says, I love the New Revised. It says, have nothing to do with stupid and senseless controversies. For you know they breed quarrels. Amen. How much of the church has become ineffective because we are busy quarreling about things that when we get to heaven they won't matter? I could give you a litany of things. A very long list. You know, should we speak in tongues? Should we not speak in tongues? Is the Lord coming back next week, next month, or next year? Jesus is coming soon. How soon? I don't know. But to sit around and make every service about that, we're missing the point. We're not going to be useful for the Master. We can talk about things like creation science. They're all good things. Social programs. Holiness, all of it is good, but we hold it in balance so that we don't present to the world such an extreme view on something that ultimately they're like, these people are whack. They're out of their minds. We need to hold in balance those things that God wants for us, and so we don't want those senseless controversies. Can you imagine how how God is grieved when Christians argue about whether they should homeschool or not, or go to Christian school or not, or be in public school or not, God has, I, I thank God that there are, our kids are in all three of those places. Hallelujah! You don't need to start dividing up camps and making this group over here holier than this group over here, because their kids are in this program, and these kids are in that program, and these are the really spiritual ones, and these are the unsaved ones over here. You see, those are senseless arguments, and they breed strife, and they breed contention. If God's told you to homeschool your kids, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Do it well into the glory of the Lord. If God's told you to put your kids in private Christian school, praise the Lord and glory to the Lord. If the Lord has instructed you to keep your kids in the public school system, praise God and glory to the Lord. We need kids in private school. We need kids in homeschool. And we absolutely need kids in our public schools that love Jesus. But there are people that divide up in camps and they they begin to quarrel and haggle over it. And before you know it, from the outside looking in, the world looks at it. Well, they can't even decide where they're sending their kids to school. Why would I want to join that group? 
simple things. And people get on these programs of, you know, eating holistically. And, you know, I'm all for if God's told you to eat, you know, tofu, praise the Lord. (laughs) Shape it like a turkey and enjoy. But uh, it, it, (laughs) you know. I know Christians who sit around, well, you know, you should eat only organic food. You know, you should never buy anything but whole milk. I hate whole milk. I'd rather not drink milk if I have to drink whole milk. I'm not going to heaven, and I'm certainly not going to convince anybody of the love of Jesus Christ by arguing about what milk I drink. Amen? We, we need to see these things for what they are. They're distractions, family of God. And they don't bring glory and honor to the Lord. When, when we're busy haggling about things that don't matter ultimately, eternally, the world looks at it and goes, I don't want to be a Christian because they're nuts. They're, they're touched. They, 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 can't, they can't even figure out whether they're going to eat you know, broccoli that's grown in... You know, hydroponic gardens, you know, I mean, I have listened to argument after argument after argument. I'm like, why are you doing this? I had a couple of people a few weeks ago, they're, well, you know, everybody should be debt free. That's absolutely true from a biblical perspective, but it doesn't happen overnight. And they're sitting there telling this this other couple that they should sell their car and sell their house and empty their bank account and move into a tent. They literally said that. Go move into a campground. Oh, yeah, that'll be good for you. After you have your children taken from you because you're not providing an adequate home for them. You, You see, we need to stop haggling over things that don't matter. Because we're not vessels of honor when we do that. God God doesn't do anything on the spur of the moment. He's been thinking about everything from time immemorial. He, He doesn't work in the desperation of this moment. There is nothing new under the sun to Him. We just need to find out what it is that God's doing and join Him where He's doing it. We need to turn away from those things. And notice he says in the application here as we wrap up, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kindly to everyone. How do you think God feels about the Westboro Baptist Church? I can tell you how God thinks about the Westboro Baptist Church. They are quarrelsome. They're kindly to no one. They're completely out of God's will. They are not representing the Lord, and they are certainly bringing him shame. It doesn't doesn't take rocket science in, in a spiritual sense to figure that one out. No one should do that. No one. Because my God died for the lost. Jesus hung on the cross to bring people to him by grace and through faith. He, he doesn't need us to paint him as some ogre. He does not need us to... to in essence, be more critical than he is. Is he holy? Absolutely. Absolutely. But he administers his holiness and his justice and his judgment through mercy and through grace. God doesn't beat people up and neither should we. Confront sin? Yes, we have to. Or we don't love. But you can confront sin kindly. You can love on people while you're telling them the truth. Amen? That's how people see Jesus. Otherwise, they just see you. They just see me. Quarrelsome. I love that word for the negative connotation it has. When you can't get along with other people, you're also not pleasing God. When you can't get along with other people, you're also not pleasing God. Because God died for people. Christ died for people. So for us to push people away and quarrel and fight and bicker is the antithesis of God's plan. We are supposed to be drawing men to Christ. We should be like people magnets. 
We should be so wonderful to talk to and so awesome to be with that people would go, I can't wait to hang out with him. I can't wait to hang out with her. I want to be around God's people because they draw me into the presence of Christ. They're just like Jesus. Quarrelsomeness does not do that. It pushes people away. They don't want to be anywhere near us. Notice what it says, and again, I turn your attention to the New Revised Standard Version. Correcting, verse 25 says, opponents with gentleness. It does no one any good to scream and yell. We're we're to be an apt teacher. We're also supposed to be patient, it says. You see, what we do and how we do it is supposed to be just like Jesus would do it. You see, that brings glory. That brings honor to the Lord. And of course, there's two sides to discipline. There's the punitive side, but don't forget the redemptive side. There's the side that says we've got to correct this, but there's a side that says we need to restore. There's a side that says this is wrong, but this is what we want to get out of you knowing it's wrong. I don't correct my children in hopes that they will hate my guts. I correct my children in hopes that they will do better at what it is that they're struggling with and that our relationship will be unbroken. That's how we're to be in this world. Why? Because some people have been taken into captivity by the the snares of the devil. Family of God, don't be upset when sinners sin. Amen? Sometimes it shocks me to, to, you know, when I can't believe that God cussed in front of me. Why? Why can you not believe somebody who doesn't know the Lord, who's drunk out of their mind, is cussing? Is there, is there something wrong with your head? Sinners sin. And without Jesus Christ, that's pretty much what we all did and will do. It's only the power of the Holy Spirit that now is in us because of our relationship with Christ that any of us have victory over sin. You see, we, we see the, result, the results of them being trapped. Help free them. Don't push them further away to where they want to have nothing to do with God. And if they think God is mad at them all the time, and God hates their guts, and God curses all people who struggle with homosexuality, if that's your God, no wonder people don't want to come to Jesus. You see, what he's saying is, to bring honor, we even need to sometimes hang around with people that we don't agree with. You know, you may actually go out with somebody and, God forbid, they might actually order a glass of wine. You don't have to look hard. Dear God, thank you for this meal. And would you heal these drunken heathen scum? Because they are going to hell right now. Please, we're drawing people to Christ. People without Jesus are caught in the snare of the devil. They don't even know what to do. They don't know where to go. They don't know who to turn to. That's why you've been made a vessel of honor. Because you know that person and you're able to sit down across the table and without judging them, share what God's done in your life. And then they see that and they have hope because they know that you're a jerk. And you used to be just like them. And there's something totally different about the way you live your life. And they're going, well, what's different? And guess what you get to do? You get to say, God burped my Tupperware. And He filled me with treasure. And He says... Just as Jesus said to the woman caught in the act of adultery, I don't condemn you. Yeah, go and sin no more. It's not good for you. But God loves you. It makes us vessels of honor. We're his slaves. And it's up to us whether we bring him honor or bring him shame. And I thank the Lord for you, all of you. Because you do bring the Lord a lot of honor. It's what happened yesterday at that memorial service that was here. So many people in this church for the first time. 
That wasn't something we did to make money. It's something we did to bless a family in great need. That's what Jesus does. That's how he works. That's the way he works in this world. It is taking vessels like us and pouring treasure into us so that we can bring him honor. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful to be your kids. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving us. And Father, I pray if there's someone here today and and they've never made that personal profession of faith, they've never said yes to your amazing offer of grace, pray that today they would receive gladly that gift. Lord, it's as simple as inviting you in. As we have people available to pray with them after service, I pray that they would not leave this place without announcing their new relationship with you. Lord, you're not looking for perfection. You're simply looking for us to give our best, Lord, to you, to be obedient to what we do know. Father God, we thank you for this time in your word. Lord, we thank you that you've that you've cleansed us. Lord, we thank you that you've taken old clay pots. Lord, I thank you that you've taken a clay pot like me. Lord, a broken vessel. And you you patched up the cracks and filled us with treasure. We love you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness expressed in this church. Pray that you would continue to use us. Lord, we pray that this community would be radically affected for you. That your name would be glorified and honored. That the lost would be found. That the broken would be mended. That the blind would see. The lame would walk. We thank you. We praise you. We ask all these things in the mighty name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Just stand. Let's worship him. Amen.